Hello, welcome to episode six of Cave Woman Debugging. I'm Laura, your host, and I'd like you to welcome to to a podcast about tips and tricks for the beginner or intermediate iOS developer. This week, we are going to focus on auto layout. This is a topic I've been very excited to talk about for a while. I've sort of been saving it. And this week is um, WWDC 2015. So I thought, oh, geez, I'm talking about something that's kind of old and not new, shiny, exciting stuff. But given some of the things we learned yesterday, the keynote about um, supporting multitasking on the iPad, it's clear that now more than ever, it's really important that you use auto layout and that your apps are adaptive to the different size screens that they could be running on. Because now, even if you're on an iPad, you could be on a constrained width or height um, environment for your app and handling all those different sizes gracefully is super important. So I think if you haven't jumped onto the auto layout bandwagon yet, then you're really need to at this point. And it's been a while. It's been out since at least iOS 6, I think maybe even earlier, but it was hard to use at first. Um, the support and interface filter wasn't great. That has improved greatly over the years. They've made it a lot easier to use. It doesn't put all these weird constraints on for you the way it used to. And I would like to make the case that even though that can be very handy, especially for simpler apps, that you might want to consider using auto layout, but doing it all in code and not doing it in an interface builder. And I've got a couple of reasons why. And I, I do both. I It depends on the, on the app and the situation, but I find that both ways have their strengths and weaknesses. So just if you are new to auto layout, a couple of resources that I would recommend. Um, there's a book, iOS Auto Layout Demystified by Erica Sendon. I found this to be an incredibly helpful book, mostly because she has really practical examples. And if you're looking to do something specific or looking for a really good, thorough description of the different ways you can use auto layout, both on iOS and macOS, then I think this is a great book. And I think it still holds up now because the principles of using auto layout haven't changed. Um, it's just that it's become much more necessary to use it. Um, another resource which I think would be good would be sessions eight and nine of the iTunes University Stanford course, um, developing iOS eight apps with Swift. If you're looking to, if you're using Swift and you want to get to know auto layout, I love the Stanford iOS classes, even though usually it's stuff I've already known. I find his, uh, the professor's attitude and just manner and presentation so clear, so understandable that I think they're just great to listen to his refresher courses in the background sometimes. Um, he covers auto layout, I believe, in sessions eight and nine of that class. There's also, um, if you're looking on raywenderlich.com, always love his tutorials. They're the I have the whole book, the iOS 6 by tutorials, has a really great auto layout chapter. Again, with some really practical, since it's tutorials, it's, you're, you're really doing it and you're seeing how it's used in real life, not just theoretically, because there's a bunch of theory that goes along with auto layout. But um, it, it, the theory is one thing, but um, actually seeing how it works practically is something quite another. So if you're going to do Interface Builder, then I think those all give you good resources on how to learn it. If you're going to do it in code, and then I, there's 
there are a bunch of auto layout libraries out there. I mean, obviously you can use Apple's APIs. They're really cumbersome in my opinion. There's a lot of typing there, just very verbose. So because of that, people have come up with different SDKs that call into that API and make it easier to use. And I've looked at a bunch of them. I tried FLK auto layout, SDC auto layout. Um, Erica's book has um, a set of macros that she developed that make it easier to do auto layout. It's all capital letters. I didn't didn't love the macros, although I loved the content in the book. Um, finally, I came across Masonry, which is also known as Snapkit if you're using it with Swift. It's called Masonry if you're using it with Objective-C. And actually now the Masonry page is saying that they're pretty much just in maintenance mode for that because they're putting their efforts into the Swift version, which makes sense, I guess. It's the same basic um, API, whether or not it's Objective-C or Swift. The, the, the way they've chosen to expose auto layout to you is essentially the same. And I love this. I, for me, it's worth it. Even in a simple throwaway project, sometimes I'll just throw that in there just to make it easier to do some auto layout stuff. And what what is it that I like about it is pretty much it's got um, a block based syntax that you you assign constraints to a particular view. So for each view, you figure out well what is it related to. It lets you chain together constraints. So let's say I want to make the right, the left, the top, the bottom, all equal to zero. That's pretty much one line of code. Um, it lets it exposes priorities. It exposes um, ways to just pin the size or just the width. And an easy way to save those constraints should you need to remove them or update them later. And it gives you ways to update and remove constraints later. It's hard to, you know, talking about it to really do it justice, but I highly recommend you go and take a look at the, the GitHub page for it. It's got a pretty good README um, for either Snapkit or um, Masonry, and I'll have a link in the show notes. Um, but there's also test cases that come with it that cover even more of the API that isn't necessarily described. I wouldn't say the README is comprehensive in terms of what it describes because it actually can do a lot more than, than what it just lists there. Um, so one of the reasons why I recommend going this code route is one of the things I tried to do in my last app was really support universal. So make it a universal app, so supporting iPads and iPhones and iPod touches, um, and have just one storyboard, not have multiple storyboards, not have all this duplicate code saying, well, if it's this, then it's that. And that's the way you used, used to have different storyboards for iPad versus iPhone. It always bugged me. I didn't want to um, have a lot of duplication. And in the past, other apps I've gotten away with it in that the top level one was pretty simple. So having it duplicated wasn't that big a deal. But if you've got a more complicated app, I think you really want to think about, can I make this extensible to any platform? And with now, with size classes and a bunch of other stuff that Interface Builder has added, it's certainly easier to do that graphically, but I still don't find it quite as powerful or sometimes as fast to lay it out where you're clicking the mouse and moving around versus you can write a bunch of code, you can see the code all in one place. It's a little bit easier to see what's going on. I find when you look at the list of constraints in Interface Builder, this is, there's this huge long list of constraints. They're never in any order that makes sense to me, at least. I always have trouble finding them. Versus if I look at code, I can say, look, all right, I've made this view equal to this view and this view equal to this view. 
and it's just much more readable to me. So I have um, moved in that direction. I also find it easier to sort of, if you want to tweak a little offset here and there, I find it easier just to tweak that in code and rather than going and finding, clicking on the right constraint, clicking over, bringing up the editor, <laughs> editing that. Um, so I say give it a try sometime. If, if something you're doing is really simple, it's just dragging out a couple of labels and buttons and um, everything like that, then you probably don't need to go that way, but it can be handy to be able to drop down into code when you need to. Um, one thing that I struggled with a long time ago now, now I think I basically get it, but it was challenging me for a while, was how to support different orientations, so landscape versus portrait. I always seem to want to have a different layout of um, views for portrait versus landscape, and I wanted to be able to support both, but I wanted to perhaps have things be stacked vertically on portrait and stacked horizontally on um, landscape. That actually... Now, again, you can do more of that in Interface Builder, but honestly, it usually means removing some constraints and adding them back in. And you, you so you have a, one set of constraints that are around when you're in one orientation and one when you're in the other. And you can do that sometimes by having outlets to your constraints and then keeping track of them, removing them, adding them back in. Again, doing that with outlets and dragging arrows and things like that I find to be more difficult than just understanding that this is this is something that you're going to manage and set up in code so when you initially set them up you assign them to a value and then you have a different set for when you go to landscape and back again so I I find that that you know being flexible like that is a lot easier when you're in code um I also don't like that one sometimes when you delete constraints and interface builder they kind of gray out now and you're like is it really gone is it still there um do it in code you'll always know where it is i in terms of debugging all of these things i find that reveal is an app which i really enjoy using it basically is a view debugger it shows you in either a 2d or 3d view where all your views are because often what you'll have happen um, you won't get any errors from your auto layout code, but your views just aren't there. And often it's because they're with, because their width or their height are zero. And it's in the right place, or maybe it's not even in the right place, but it's definitely not going to be visible. And that's something that using a view debugger such as Reveal um, can be very helpful. I'll have a link to that too in my show notes. Um, Xcode has now better view debugging. And it's definitely getting better. I'm eager to see if it's improved in Xcode 7. But I do enjoy using Reveal just because you can actually tweak the offsets of your constraints right there. So if you want to sort of move something up or down or left or right, if you set up your constraints properly such that they're using offsets from, say, a center or offset from another view, that's something that you can tweak in real time and actually see a change on the device and come up with a value you like and then put it back into your code. So I find that to be very helpful. Another just general tip about auto layout is that if you are going to try to support different size classes, you will want to become friends with inequalities and priorities. Sometimes it's nice to think that you can just absolutely say, well, this view goes here and this view goes here and this view is two times this view. 
well, sometimes you want the space to be distributed differently if you're on a compact environment versus one where you have more room. So setting something to be, well, I want this to be in the center of the screen, unless it can't be in the center of the screen and still be equidistant from these two other things, then it's okay for it to be, you know, eight points lower than this other view. So you might want that, you know, well, it should be in the center in, in an ideal world. That's You set that to be you know, a somewhat lower priority, not absolutely required. And then if you have room, it'll go there. If you don't, it will gracefully degrade such that it starts moving up to something else but not hitting it entirely. You'll generally want to add constraints on the leading and trailing edges of views, even if you don't think you need them. For example, just the other day I was adding in a editable um, title view, something that was a title of something that the user could change, and my you know, default title that was very short happily fit in the center of my view. As soon as I start ma started making it really long, I realized, oh wait, I need to pin this to the sides and make sure that if it grows at runtime, it's not going to um, overflow the super views bounds. So things that might not seem like you need them at the time, and Interface Builder won't make you put leading and trailing constraints on something like a label because it does have an intrinsic size. But if that intrinsic size can change at runtime, you're going to want to have those constraints, even if it doesn't seem like you need them right at the beginning. So I recommend learning auto layout, using it all the time, really. I've, I've pretty much started going through and anything that was not auto layout. I've been converting it over just because it's so nice to be able to have things laid out in a logical way versus computing, well, this is five points away from this and this is, you know, oh, i got to figure it all out. Let it do the math for you. You just think more logically about how you want your objects to be related to each other when they're on the screen. And I think it can also help you save code because you might be able to leverage your interface among lots of different platforms or just between different sizes now when you're running in the new um, multitasking API that's coming out in iOS 9. So I wanted to wrap up with my list of things that aren't code. What am I doing other than thinking about auto layout? Um, binge watching Gilmore Girls, which is kind of funny. Been a long time since I've seen it. Although, honestly, the older shows seem more familiar to me than the more recent seasons. But I think this week and for the next few weeks, that's going to go away because the WWDC sessions will be available and streaming and I'd like to get a jump start on that, um, find out what's new and where I want to dive deeper. I had to have some times when I had some downtime but didn't have a network available, so I was going back to playing the game Two Dots on my phone. If you haven't tried it, it's a nice little quick level-based puzzle game, and you try to match dots. What's nice about it is that they keep expanding it, they keep adding new levels, so even if you had played it in the past and had finished it, check it out again. They probably have added new levels since you've played it before. And I um, finished the first three uh, Terry Pratchett books, but I'm taking a break while I wait for the fourth one to come in from the library, and I'm reading Mindy Kaling's Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me? And as my teenage daughter would say, I think Mindy is my spirit animal. I am absolutely loving this book. It's cracking me up. So I recommend it so far, even though I'm not too far into it. If you have any questions, comments, requests for topics in the future, I can be reached at cavewoman at littlepotatosoftware.com. If you rate us on iTunes or leave a comment or anything else, that would be great. That helps other people discover it. 
and uh, enjoy all of the new stuff coming out from WWDC this year. And I will see you next time. Thanks.